You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Lay. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Kane is in the building. Yeah. All right. Already the show goes on, on, night. Till the morning we dream so long. Anybody ever wonder when they would see the thunder? Just remember when you come to the show. <laughs> what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Lockdown Nuggets Podcast, part of Lockdown NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mattis from DenverStiff.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blogging community on the web. And I'm with some heavy hitters today. To my right, from Altitude TV, Radio, Nuggets.com, AltitudeTV.com, it's Christopher Dempsey. <laughs> What's going on? And I'm, I just have to say I'm happy to be here with you. <laughs> On the Locked On Nuggets podcast, for sure. Not quite your debut since you actually launched it, but uh, your debut as a guest, so Absolutely. to speak. To my left, you know him as HP Basketball on Twitter, writer for CBSSports.com, and founder of Hardwood Paroxysm, where I got my start, Matt Moore. I think Chris is the, the heavy Louisville slugger, and I'm like a wiffle bat. <laughs> I don't know I'm about that. just like that. tapping the ball. I think, uh, I, think Twitter, I do like I how... Think I, I, do... I think our Twitter accounts say otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it only took me 300,000 tweets to get there. So <laughs> I do like the fact that you're like, hey, welcome back to the podcast that you had. <laughs> like, well, I don't know, you know. <laughs> it's always that thing. I stole it from him is actually the, the behind-the-scenes story. I, right <laughs> behind, from under his... Right behind, behind, his behind the podcast. And so now I'm back to see how, <laughs> how, how the house looks. <laughs> this is how it looks. It's, uh, everybody's always surprised at how low-tech the podcast is. Just a little reporter here around a table. But we do have a game to go over, and we have some interesting playoff stuff. Um, the game tonight, obviously to set the table, Nikola Jokic out with an undisclosed illness. The Nuggets, Matt and I always laugh. They're always very coy with their their injuries or illnesses. We don't know. We're going to get to the point where it's just one word. It's not going to be <laughs> like it's not, it, it actually. It, we're almost there with Kenneth Fareed because it's not lower back injury, lower back contusion, lower back spasms. It's just low back, right. as if him having a low back is right. why he's out. And with Nikola Jokic, it's just illness and. It's, is it? Does he have the flu? Is it malaria? Did he catch the bird flu? Is it SARS? What does SARS? What SARS? Like what does the man have? Is is it what what type of illness is it? And there's lots of ways this could go as a conversation, especially among NBA players. Oh, but like, geez. but like, what did the man catch? All we know is like the rumor is it's the flu. It's the flu, yeah. But the problem is that that could be a number of things. That could be anything. I what think is flu kind of suffices for me, though. That seems like I mean, if it's like just a straight flu, because that tells you it's sure. If you want to, if you five days, right? if you want to accept the mainstream story <laughs> from the deep state, yeah. then sure, <laughs> then sure, you can accept that. We want answers. Um, and then Danilo Gallinari, vertigo. Is this something? Did you ever know that he had vertigo? Uh, ever? No, I didn't, and that was. <laughs> It's pretty shocking to hear it was, you know, it's just, it's not just an illness, it's actually vertigo, and that is something that, my, my brother had vertigo a long time ago, and you just don't shake that off uh, very quickly, so I, this might be... A, I thought it was a result of, like, getting hit in the ear. Is that wrong? Uh, listen, I'm not the vertigo expert. <laughs> Answer my vertigo question. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, but, no, I what I do know is, 
I, I mean, if Danilo was playing on Friday night, I'd be pretty doggone surprised. I'd be really mm. surprised, as a matter of fact. Mm. Um, so, well, I guess we'll just find out. If he's out for an extended period of time, I mean, it's even though even though Gallo presents a whole host of independent issues for the overall functionality of this team, just the fact that like his absence alone and what he does with the lineups, like that could be devastating. I mean, we saw what happened with without Jokic and Gallo tonight, and they got another tough team on on Friday coming in. The Boston Celtics were yeah. going to need a win. Yeah, like they're in a thick. Tough race, and then they go back to back to Sacramento, place where they just haven't had a lot of success. Right, where Michael Malone is now one in six. So, I mean, here's the thing: they're in eighth right now, and they could very well be eleventh in two weeks' time. Not two weeks, in like four days. days. I mean, they're just two, two more or three more losses of of being that far back. Uh, We'll get to some of that here in just a minute, but I do want to talk about the uh, the game that just happened. That context aside, Fareed, Gallo, Jokic out, they probably were never going to win this one, even with Washington coming in. Right. But they kind of got blown out from the start. What, what is your big takeaway from this game, Chris? Yeah, I just they didn't have firepower to match up with that. I mean, that team, Washington, I mean, you're talking about since, since the Nuggets played them on December 8th, right. Washington has the third best record in the NBA. I mean, yeah. that's just the reality of the situation. And they're for real good. It's not just a hot streak. Yeah, good. no, they're, they're good. That's a, yeah, that's, that's 42 games worth of sample size. Yeah. So they were 31 and 11, so now they're 32 and 11 since then. Um, you know, listen, they're, they're, they're a powerful team. I mean, John Wall and Bradley Bill have got it figured out. You know, yeah. it's, at the beginning of the season, they were doing, you know, interviews saying, hey, we don't know if we can coexist. Right. We're going to have to figure that out. Well, it looks like they've got that <laughs> squared away. Uh, and then, you know, to add, uh, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich, that's the way he's playing. That's right. just more space for them, more shooting. Uh, it's a, I mean, that team uh, it looks like it'll be, it'll be a problem. Washington will be a problem for playoff teams in the East uh, once those playoffs start. Where do they rank for you in the East? I, mean, obviously I think they're about right. I think they're about right. Third. Third. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're at Cleveland, obviously, out, way out in front. Boston, Washington uh, is, I mean, I guess you can juxtapose them if you want. Right. Uh, but I think, I, think that, I think they're And then Toronto about behind right. Toronto. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the way Toronto's playing lately. Chris is completely wrong. The Washington Wizards, <laughs> the Washington Wizards are the second best team in the Eastern Conference, and it's not particularly close. They are the, really? only, they are the only team outside of... They are the only team that can match up with the Cavs and give them a serious run. All of the others are not serious threats. Um, they're not built for playoff success. You saw the Raptors make the Eastern Conference Finals last year, built off of a terrible run in which they went down in every single series. They would have lost to the Heat had Hassan Whiteside not got hurt. They would have lost to the Pacers had Paul George made a few shots in Game 7. Um, they did not really match up with the Cavs despite winning two games. Those, that was kind of smoke and mirrors. Like they, are, they have not proven that they can really deliver and be a consistent playoff team. The Boston Celtics have yet to win a single playoff series. Everyone forgets this about the Wizards. The Wizards have gone to the second round twice and had the Hawks on the edge. If John Wall does not suffer a wrist fracture right. in round two a couple of years ago. The Wizards are going to the East. Yeah, and now they have much better coaching with Scott Brooks. Otto Porter has evolved. This team can help, can hurt you on offense. They can hurt you on defense. They have spacing now, not only with, with Bogdanovich, but Otto Porter, who is shooting 45% from three this year. Those three, Bradley Beal, John Wall, and Otto Porter tonight combined for 75 points yeah, just and that. 16 assists. This team is great. They are much better than the Nuggets. This was simply a case of a team that was on a back-to-back. But this also shows you, like, this is a good team on a back-to-back in altitude, although Denver's lost a lot of these this year, which is concerning. But 
that just came in and just took care of business. That said, nope, we're going to get both of these. We get we we screwed around versus Phoenix and almost lost. We got their head on straight, took care of business, did not screw around versus Denver, right. and with that, and Denver just didn't have the firepower. I think Denver, I thought, had no chance. I was surprised at how many people today, some of the media guys talking before the game, like, oh, I think Denver has a chance. I thought they had no chance in this game because I think Washington's great. Mm-hmm. Denver being down so many guys, and they just kind of got, they were missing Jokic the last game. That was the game where they kind of, not overperformed, but it was like shorthanded rally. You never mm-hmm. see a team do that twice in a row, yeah. and especially well, one Gallo. Yeah, not against this caliber competition. It, it, I mean, it's well, one thing to do that against Sacramento. Right. It's total other to do that against Washington. Well, I think part of it also is, <clears throat> you know, Jokic's absence hurts every night because he's their best player. However, I think versus Washington, the, the problem is exacerbated because of the fact that when you let Marcin Gortat be in his comfort zone and control the, the glass and contain in pick and rolls, which he's so friggin' good at, then you're just going to have a really hard time being able to match up with them. You're just going and, and they have more firepower because the Denver defense continues to be just absolutely <laughs> horrid. Um, but I think really without Jokic, without being able to win that matchup, like if Jokic comes out there and frustrates Gortat and kind of scrambles some of their stuff, that opens up more stuff for Gary Harris, even though he had a career high. It, it opens up some of the three-point shots. It, it just helps with everything. And I think his absence in particular, not only being the best player, but specifically versus this Wizards team, I think that, that really hurt. Well, the court was collapsed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just what – even with Mason Plumlee's ability to – uh, I think he might have five assists today, four or five assists. I think assists, five, so, yeah. Uh, it still is a collapse situation. And, and it's, you know, in a scenario where now Gortat, you don't have to go all the way out to, to the three-point line and really honor the three-point line in the way that you would have to with Nikola Jokic. And then, so if you if he's taking steps back and he's in the paint and everybody's in the paint, he's killing cutters. And even though that uh, Gary Harris, Gary Harris did a lot of that shooting threes. All right, tonight, not getting cutting and you know that spacing <laughs> movement thing that the Nuggets had going on, and it just is uh, six of nine for three from Gary. I mean, right. he had his shot going tonight. Yeah, yeah. we've had a couple games to kind of look at Mason Plumley, and he put up some good numbers tonight 19, 10, really good numbers. five. Really good numbers, yeah. So, I mean, you look at the stat sheet, really good. He was a minus 14, which was a team high. I guess Wancho was a minus 15. Um, those that doesn't always tell the story. What do you make of? His first eight games, whatever it's been, yeah. what, what do you what do you think of him as a player? I think the Nuggets are getting what they wanted uh, from him in this trade, and uh, you know that's the ability to at least um, uh, be similar to what they are when Nikola Jokic is on the court, right. and uh, and so he gives them that. He gives them a little more. Obviously, he gives them more athleticism. Yeah. Uh, you know, to the rim, and and uh, you know I. I, I think all that they were looking for him was, uh, listen, we want an approximation of our starting center uh, as a reserve and get a guy who can affect the glass, who can maybe rim protect a little bit, if you, if you, but it can definitely get out and hedge. Like He's very active on the perimeter as a big man in a way that Nikola Jokic is not. Um, so, I, I mean, I think, they are, I, I think his first few games have been fine. I mean, listen, his numbers are pretty good, and a lot, he's been flirted with a couple of triple-doubles already. Right, yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's been, he's been good for them. Uh, hasn't been great, but he's been good. The thing that jumps out, the negative that jumps out to me that I think I didn't notice when he was in Portland is he's a very reluctant finisher. He'll get drop-offs a lot of the times or rolls to the rim where it's like he can go up strong, maybe get contact, and he Kick. kicks it out yeah. even when nobody's there. And I wonder if that's A, he's not a good finisher for whatever reason, B, he doesn't shoot free throws very well, so he doesn't want to get fouled. Um, but it just seems like sometimes he passes up shots. What do you think about the fit so far? Has the team figured out how to use him, or do you think it's still kind of that like getting to know you phase? 
I think they know how to use him. I think two things are happening. I think he's still getting comfortable with teammates and getting adjusted to a new situation. And rhythm and continuity take time. <clears throat> and I think he's played badly. Um, I think he's played badly. I think he's mm-hmm. played... I, I Especially, here, here's... The biggest part of it is they gambled on him despite the defensive numbers saying, we think he could be a better rim protector than he's shown in Portland. And the reality is either Denver's defense is so bad, not even Rudy Gobert could help this team. <clears throat> I wonder that sometimes. Or a combination of that and and Mason Plumlee's just struggling on that end because they, they need, I just think they need better defensive impact. I mean, you look at five assists tonight. Before turnovers, right. and that's a problem when it's your big man because it's you're losing you're losing those possessions. He's missed a lot of dunks, and like that's just going to happen. Like I I don't worry about Mason Plumlee finishing dunks in the future, passing up those kind of shots. Yeah, some of that is what kind of how he's been conditioned, and and some of that stuff, and and he's going to have to adapt to the fact that there are going to be situations where he needs to be a finisher. Like they need the points, but you know I still feel like we're we're still dancing around the primary issue, which is like, look, the defense, they're not going to make the playoffs unless the defense plays not horrible. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't even have to be average. But they're going to have to not be the worst defense in the league. They play that way once out of every, like, three or four games, mm-hmm. and it helps them win. But yep. uh, I just don't think – I don't have confidence that they're going to be a good defensive team this year. They're not. They're, 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 not, they're, they're, not, they're, they're not going to be. They have to be able to fake being a not terrible one. Like, that's where they got to get to is they got to be not hor- – you just cannot be the worst in the league. You just can't be, you know, just giving up wide open Bradley Beal, Beal threes. You just can't be – and the biggest, this has killed them, and, and Malone harps on this maybe a little too much, but I, th- I honestly think he's kind of right on it, which is if they would just stop giving the ball up for runouts, if they would stop giving the, like, their turnover problem, yeah. the points off of turnovers, it just puts them in too deep a hole. They can win shootouts, but they can't win shootouts when they're spotting them 18, 20 points on points off of turnovers. Right. You're just not going to be able to get there. Because, and look, here, here, here's part of it. Minnesota was a bad defense for most of the year. They've got the best defense since the All-Star break. Portland's Is that been, right? Portland, that. Yeah, Portland's been a bad defense the entire year. I think they've been worse than Denver from the eye test perspective. Not to inflame things, but since a certain individual... They, they have a defensive juggernaut. Mosey goes way on over there. All of a sudden, they are playing better defense. The surface-level reaction to that is, hey, they traded Plumlee for Nurkic, and now their defense is better. Well, guess what? The Nuggets' defense with Nurkic was terrible, too. Like, there's a lot to that. But my bigger point is the teams that are competing for the eighth seed, Dallas, Portland, Minnesota, Denver. That's really the, the group because the Kings are not going to be able to hold. Right. And I don't think they want to, right? right. They have the most no, they to, want to. They to right. lose from making the playoffs. Right. But those teams, whoever plays the best defense out of that group the rest of the way— not even the best defense. Whoever can, can it, it, I just think for Denver again. I think they can hold on to the eight seed, but they're gonna have to get their defense to not terrible, and they have not done so yet. Why is their defense so bad? I looked, I looked at the defensive RPM numbers. We're gonna, be, I know here. That's We're gonna a, be here a while. Well, just that, the short take, the short abridged take, because I looked at it. Every single player on the roster is worse defensively. Their individual defensive numbers are worse. And, of course, that happens when your whole team is bad. Mm-hmm. But that metric is supposed to, like, try to isolate players and see. And they're all significantly worse this year. Right. I mean, is there some, Is there anything to it? Or is it just – I mean, what's going on that they're so bad? Well, honestly, I just think that – you know, you remember – so they started off the season and 
for whatever chunk at the beginning of the season, they were one of the better three-point percentage defense right. teams. Right. See, I, I just think when you have a team that doesn't play overall d- defense well overall, yeah. then you just got to decide, I'm going to take something away. You can't just try to take everything away because you're taking nothing away. It's a great insight. So takes and I think for them that where their original success was was at the three point line, which is a really good place to start yeah. in this NBA. Uh, so I, I mean, for me, I, I would go get whatever it was that was getting them uh, success on that and, and that area alone. Go back to that and then figure it out in the paint. You know, the point the the, the points in the paint were just kind of a nuisance right. more than like the cause so the the root cause right. of, so, of whatever losses and, and so Malone like, hated it though he, I mean. he did and and he and I think he the pendulum swung and he like they reacted so you know so like uh, they wanted to take away points right. in the paint because listen a defensive coach never yeah. he hates points at the rim that's fine but if it's you know, I, I just you have to you have to know your personnel and understand what they're doing. I think two things: one, when they do get aggressive in pick and roll situations, they've been fairly successful. They can turn it, turn yeah. some teams over. They can get in some passing lanes. They can get some deflections. They can get some steals, um, and then go, getting back to that three point line. So, um, you know, I, listen, the Nuggets aren't a good defensive team. Yeah. I mean, you don't have any really indi- individually good defensive players, and when you're working with that. What are you really working with? So uh, you got to scheme it up and junk it up sometimes, and do whatever you have to do uh, to be able to, to to get stops. Do you think the continuity hurts the defense? Because I mean, the twenty seventh starting lineup tonight, right of the year. Or something I like think that, that all hurts. So yeah, when you have 20, 20, uh, 26, 26 starting lineups. Okay. Okay. And then you have guys in and out with injuries. And then you had um, Nikola Jokic starting at the four, but now he's the five, and Nurkic right. was the five, and now he's not even on the team. You know, I, I, I understand. I, it, it, it sounds like an excuse. That is a really real thing. Right. When you have no five, no rotation that really plays together all the time, I, how, you can't get any chemistry. And even if you're – even if they – so if they had a, a chance at being a good defensive team, like it's killing their chance because right. – and then they don't practice, right? Yeah. So they don't practice because a, they're too injured and tired yeah. to practice, and b, they spent a big chunk of time where there was just too many games in the schedule. It was just right. okay. Once you got, once they finally came up for air, it was like let's give these guys a rest. So if you have no practice and you have jumbled, jump, jump, uh, junked up lineups all the time, uh, it just doesn't bode well. The fact that they're doing anything offensively is. Uh, you know, I mean, right. it's a testament. It's, it's impressive. That the it really game. is because, I mean, it could you could have the same exact scenario on offense. And this is what Wilson, I'll just follow up because you talked to Wilson after the AMIC report came out. And yeah. that seemed to be the gist of what his complaint was, was my role keeps changing, the guys I play with keep changing. Is that kind of what you gathered? Was it That's that? exactly what I gathered. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was. And it's not just him. It, it, it isn't just him. And so my question was always, okay, well, then if you were the coach, then what would you do? Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's you know, for, for I, I understand from a player standpoint, well, players want to be able to understand what they're doing at all times. But if you're Michael Malone this season, okay, well, what's, what was he supposed to do? What is he supposed to do when you have uh, injuries, when you have inconsistencies? We haven't even gotten to guys who just aren't playing well. Yeah, so, you know, do you just leave them in because... You want them to have a consistent role, or do you try to tinker and find something that actually works? And so, between all of that, 
there's a lot of guys in that locker room who've been kind of shifted and jumbled and they don't quite know. And so I think this is just one of those seasons you got to get in where you fit in and figure it out uh, and then, you know, kind of hit the reset button in the summer. I have many thoughts. So I think your original point about the three-point defense is 100% accurate. I think that their their big mistake was biting too hard on uh, on trying to stop the points in the paint. But this reflects something greater about the coaching staff. Now, I say this as whenever anyone starts to criticize Michael Malone, I'm very quick to be like, look, I think Michael Malone connects with the players. I think Michael Malone communicates. I think Michael Malone has good approach to coaching. I think Michael Malone comes with a great a great pedigree and great reputation. I like Michael Malone personally. I think Michael Malone is a great coach. And I'm not just doing this as a Silicon Valley, Roger's great, but no, it's not one of those things. It's, it's, I genuinely think that he can be a good coach. I think that Michael Malone has had a bad season. I think he's had a really rough season in that. I'm not sure that Michael Malone is a good coach for deep rosters. Doc Rivers had this problem in Orlando, and he had it again in Boston before the Big Three showed up, where Doc Rivers is obviously – he's won tons of games, but Rivers could never balance a deep rotation. He couldn't figure out rotations. He could not figure out how to manage a roster where 15, 12, more than 10 guys needed minutes. When the big three showed up in Boston, it was easy. You play those three guys 35 right. to 38 minutes a game. You fill in the rest there. Ba-boom! And then all you got to worry about is X's and O's and Ubuntu. Well, <laughs> but that, that matters, though. Motivational stuff no, matters. Because we... there, there are coaches that can manage deep rotations. Like, this is why I think of Brad Stevens. I think Brad Stevens does an awesome job when he's got to balance 15 guys. He gets the most out of those 12 guys. I don't like Brad Stevens in a playoff matchup. He's really struggled in his two, two playoff series in finding adjustments. And so... You know, we'll see what happens if, if Malone makes the playoffs and, and what he does there. But he needs, I think, a shorter rotation because this all leads back into the defense and it leads into what you're talking about with Wilson Chandler and the veterans. The veterans on this team, in my opinion, have a real frustration with the fact that they do not have consistency. And, yeah, and, and Chris asked the question, well, what's Michael Malone supposed to do? And the answer is you need to have a plan, a program, and you need to really discover whether or not it works and build something and let it let that build up continuity and then you can evaluate and tweak. But if absolutely, it would have to be, be that absolutely nothing is working. Now, they tried that with the, the one thing that they shouldn't have, which is the Nurkic-Jokic lineup. Like, they stuck to it. They are like, no, we want to see if this can work. Let's find out. Let's find out if this can work. Well, it was pretty apparent very early on. Like, the minute that Nikola Jokic looks like he's just completely lost on a basketball floor, you have gone wrong, and you have to pretty much abandon that plan. Um, but I think with a lot of the other parts of it, and a lot of this, it's not just on him. It's on the front office because you've mentioned this. Like They've got a bunch of guys that are at the same level. They have a bunch of guys that are at the same level. Will Barton is a good veteran who can be a major contributor on a good team. Daniil Gallinari is a good veteran who could be a major contributor on a good team. Wilson Chandler, Kenneth Fareed, on and on and on. The pecking order is very tough on this team. And nobody feels like they shouldn't be playing more. Nobody can look, nobody on this team can look at the other guys and say, I should definitely be playing more than him. Like, or they can't say that. Right. Like, they can all yeah, say. Yeah, the pecking order is so tough. Yeah. Because yeah. It, and I think you're right. We've talked about this, and I've talked to a lot of NBA people about this exact problem, and they all agree it's one of the hardest things for a coach to do is jumble a bunch of guys that are kind of on the even playing field. If you're talking, if we're talking about the, about it's the, the hardest thing. If, if, if you're talking about, it's yeah. the hardest. Thing. If you're talking about point guard, and, and the other thing that, that matters in this is, is fans just think of it as like minutes or stardom or making an impact or competitive spirit. There's money. That matters. If you're Jameer Nelson, as much as Nuggets fans love to blame him for absolutely everything, they blame him way too much. Like Jameer, the Nuggets numbers are better with Jameer Nelson on the floor. 
Right. He's leading the, leading the team in assists. Right. The end. Like, that's the end of the conversation for me. But if you're Jameer Nelson, and you know you're better than Manuel Moutier, clearly, and you know Jamal Murray's not ready, right. and, and this team tells you, well, we want to win, we want to try and make the playoffs, you want to play more. And if you're not playing more, you get mad. And, and if the answer is, well, play better, and you'll definitely play, and you'll definitely play more, but then the player's response is, if I, get, if I can get into a rhythm and play more and know what my role is, I can play better. So it's this chicken and the egg situation where there's really no answer. And the and answer to the yeah. answer to all of it is is remaking this roster in the future to adapt. Because the other thing I would say is you mentioned like there's no good defensive players on this team. Gary Harris was on track his first two years to be a, a phenomenal defender. He's gone backwards. And he is lost right now. And tonight was a really great example of it. And some of it's tough because chasing Bradley Beal around screens is always yeah, going mean, to be tough for him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but blown assignments is, is, is bad. Um, and the thing is, if you know, it's like... Daniel Gallinari can be a good defender. We know that. Wilson Chandler can be a good defender. We know that. We've seen them do that in their careers. We know that they're capable of that. Can We've it, seen them do it this week for stretches. Kenneth Fareed remains a mystery on that end in terms of, like, why is he not better is always is going to be a constant question. Until, like, I could see him being, like, awesome at, like, 28, 29, 30. Hmm. Like, just getting it and all of a sudden being like, I'm, I, you know, I, I, I want to win. And making those kind of sacrifices and doing that. But, like... To me, there's defensive. And here's the crazy part: Jamal Murray's really good defensively. The one guy on the squad who should probably be struggling more than anything, and who struggled at Kentucky, I think has been really good defensively. Because if nothing else, Jamal Murray closes out hard. He, he chases plays, down loose balls hard. He plays. I with, think he tries really hard on defense. And effort is not everything in defense, but focused intensity. It. it focused intensity is, and this team is astoundingly low on focused intensity on the defensive end, and that may be what winds up costing them the 8th seed. I want to move on to the 8th seed, because this game wasn't that interesting to me, and I, uh, all these topics <laughs> I think are fascinating, like big picture stuff, but I want to move on to the big picture thing, which is, should the Nuggets make the 8th seed? And you said something interesting, I think, about Brad Stevens, and he's not a good playoff coach. We talk about it's important experience for the players. I think it's important experience for Michael Malone. And yeah. and it's important experience, I think, for the Nuggets front office to kind of see how his mind works. And look, they're going to get swept by the Warriors. They might win one game. But more important than the, the win-loss is I just think the preparation and how the team responds. I think that will tell the front office something going forward. Not that they're going to fire him this offseason, but just I think it's something you file away. How important do you think – I'll start with you, Chris. I know Matt – and Matt has some, some opinions about this, but how important do you think it is for the Nuggets to make the eighth seed this year? No, I think it's very important. Uh, you know, I think it's – you know, the the result of the series really is neither here nor there to me. It's, right. it's, it's getting in, feeling the pressure, understanding the rhythms of everything, understanding just it, the intensity that ratchets up. Um, how, do, how do your players respond to that? How do your young players respond to that? Just get them on the court in a, in the playoff scenario is, is so they understand what that all is. I think that is just invaluable, uh, especially if you can do it in a year kind of like this. I mean, usually if you have this kind of record, you're not anywhere near the eighth yeah. spot. Oh, but now you you're in the eighth spot, so take advantage of it. And so I, I just think from a experience standpoint, I think you actually make a really good point for the coaching staff as well. Right. Um, it's I think it, it'd be huge for them and I you know um, you know it, uh, listen that uh, we're not talking about making a run and we're not talking about you know winning three three games in the first first round of the series. You want to get them in, you want to get their feet wet, <laughs> they'll compete. 
I, you know, I think we disagree on which matchup would be best for them. Like, I actually think a matchup against the Warriors would be great for them because it's just the same style that they play, and they can feel free. They can they can play. They, they don't have to worry about necessarily the lockdown aspect of that playoff series kind of have, um, and that San Antonio would absolutely impose uh, on them for however many games the series uh, go. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just think from an experience standpoint, it'd be fantastic for them to the do that. The atmosphere and intensity at Pepsi Center has been pretty bad this year. I mean, I think it picked yeah. up in January and February. There were some but games, I think it would pick up in the playoffs. But the playoffs, it would pick up, for and sure. I and I think mm-hmm. and I think it would mean something to guys. So some of the young guys. Look, I think some of the older guys. You know, I think they've lost a little bit of faith in the mm-hmm. city of Denver because of how bad it's been for so long. But I think for like guys like Jamal Murray and and Nikola Jokic, who have been here for two years of bad attendance, to see like oh. Packed arena, hour before tip-off, things things popping. I think, you know, that maybe that would be motivation. Matt, you don't think it's important for them to make... Would you, would you say that you think it's better for them to miss the playoffs this year? Well, first of all, the arena is not going to be packed an hour before <laughs> the game. The arena is not going to be packed... Let's have this packed. one dream. The arena is not going to be packed at tip. The arena is not going to be packed at <laughs> It would be packed at tip. It might be full. It might be. Packed. It, it would be packed. I, I think it would, especially be packed. if it was Golden State. I mean, listen, if we're look, we, talking look, about San Antonio, I'm, I'm just saying I've seen him. I've seen largely empty arenas in Atlanta where they made the playoffs uh, eight years. years I know, but you've never seen that here. Like, if the Nuggets are in the playoffs, playoffs people are in the building. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that just is. I mean, it, it, listen. The Atlanta Braves don't draw in the playoffs. The Atlanta Falcons don't draw in the playoffs. The Atlanta Titans. It's not just Atlanta. It's it's overall. But uh, fair enough. Okay. The the building would be packed. Um, Not an hour before. (laughs) That part you're right. uh, Being the Lexus Club. Here's my thing. Uh, This team, and I'm not being insulting to this squad. It's, it's, they're five games under 500, six games under 500. They're not a good team. Their record shows they're not a good team. Even if you look at it from the perspective of since the lineup change or since January 1st or since February, however you want to break it down, they're not a good team. And so... Well, they have a winning record since the... I guess we could go to the London trip. What's the record? Something like... Well, actually, it's, it's like, like one, game one, 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 one game over. Yeah, it's like one game over. So does that... I mean, you can, we, can argue, yeah. we can argue about good. We can argue about good versus... They're, 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 even if you want to say like... They're fine hyphen to hyphen good. They're fine to good. Yeah, I mean they're that's they're they're better. They're better. Okay. Um, I would not classify them as even though with that record, I would not classify them as a good team. Because that's fair. And especially not among playoff teams. You have to not be the worst defensive team in a decade. No, you have to not be the, and, and, I think all that's fair. And I, so and so for me, it becomes what are you really learning from this experience? And it's I get it from you, they get to see that, but look, they still have to go back next year. Like, if, like let's focus on what they need to do. Like, go look at the process. Like, the first thing you need to do is you need to learn how to be a consistent regular season team. You need to figure out a team that's not the worst defense in the league. You need to figure out really what your identity is. You need to figure out are you a young team or an old team. You need to figure out is Jamal Murray or Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are they like the future? Like Jokic definitely, I think is at this point. I don't think you're going to know that. But I think those are summer questions. Or, yeah, yeah, those, those are questions for the summer. I, but that's my point. I, 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 if you make the playoffs, if, if you make the playoffs, now all of a sudden the perspective changes, and it with, should change. And with it comes expectations, which absolutely, are, which are the doom, you know, of no, rebuilding listen, franchises. No, because listen, listen, no, look, 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 if they if they make the playoffs, 
And then we talked about this before the game. If they make the playoffs, woo! Hey, you know what? They lost the Warriors. They gave a good showing, and they made. And also, I disagree with you with the lockdown thing because the Warriors are, have the second best defense in the league, and they've. Yeah, they just, but they don't. They don't. They've never shown that against the Nuggets. Like, I just, Teams I'm just like, yeah, I just like the, the, the games against the Nuggets don't don't show that. And maybe they won't care because they didn't care about it versus the Blazers last year either. The playoff right. defense has maybe. been unimpressive. Um, but like, woo, hey, they won a game, or they they hung with the Warriors, and gosh, like, what a good step for the franchise. And then next year they go in and they get a bad schedule stretch, and then you know Murray gets hurt, Jokic has a bad month. Okay, but what if none of those things happen? So yeah, I mean, you're, you're, what, what you're outlining is a glass half empty uh, scenario, right? So, so the glass, the everything glass goes full. wrong after they go into the right. playoffs. Then it sucked that they went into no, the no, playoffs. No, but, the, but then, but, okay, but what if it doesn't? Right. Go wrong? So the next year they start out and they're, you know, they start out and they're like, you know, twenty and fifteen. It's like, hey, this team looks really good. Well, now it starts becoming like, all right, you got to, you absolutely have to make the playoffs. Because you made it last year, you absolutely one hundred percent have to make the playoffs. What the what, what the playoff? What the West playoff team next year is fifty wins. Right? Are they ready to make that jump? Yeah. So I, I yeah okay, but I, I think that people are savvy enough to know like if you made it into the playoffs this year and it was thirty eight wins, but the requirement is fifty wins the following year. I do not. I think, not I, think, I think it goes. I think it is simply you made the playoffs last year. What happened? I don't think. And so. you need you need a you need a standard progression, and you need to like. You need to have a core and then add pieces and make that jump and then make the jump at the right time. Making the jump at the right time is big. I've seen these playoff teams that come in with a young core and they look good and then they regress and then it's it's it, it only all it does is saddle them with expectations and it furthers the disappointment and it can poison the well. Yeah, we've also seen you know young teams do well with the playoffs. I mean, I just I, I don't think this is a I mean, you are painting a very doom and gloom picture. It's based off the fact that there's six games under 500 with the worst defense in the league. I I understand. Listen, I'm with with you on that. It feels like smoking smoking mirrors. The Western Conference is playing them in. (laughs) I mean, you know, the the thing, I've made this point out there with you about the University of Colorado. The Pac-12 played them in. They played great, but the Pac-12 was down and played them in to the Pac-12 title game. Like they should not have to apologize for that, and I likewise I think if the if the Western Conference is going to play you into the playoffs, then you by all means should take that, and it's a, an early look at what you can do. Listen, it, 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 what, are we saying that this team is going to win fifty games next season? No, because maybe the next step is actually just forty three or forty four, which you know. it probably is. If yeah, you look it, at teams like this, they right. build five games a year yeah, or five it, six games. Yeah, and if that doesn't get you into the playoffs next year. That shouldn't be the end of the world because what you're still doing over a three-year span is moving up, progressing up. Then, if the Western, then in that next year, if your win total ought to get to get get you into the playoffs. But I don't think it has to be a bad thing to do that even a little bit early, and even if it means your expectations next year are I also are hey we this team should be in the playoffs because the Nuggets are moving into the space where this is no longer a well <laughs> we should see we're we're still seeing what we have and we're still experimenting with these we're mm, figuring it out yeah there now need to be moving into a space where the, yes we're the expectations are the goal. And uh, playoffs, playoffs are the goal, and we're expecting that, and we're willing to put the pressure on ourselves as an organization to get there again, and then to be successful once once we get there. I think that's completely fine, and can start 
if they get there this year. And if they get there this year, Matt, that will have meant they are at, they are one game up on Portland right now. Half, I Half, think. Uh, maybe one, maybe one full game. You're right. One, one, one full game because they did. Yeah, yeah. So if they get into the playoffs this year. That means they will have found some sort of consistency somewhere. Yeah. Because they're going to have to That's win true. now to be able to get into the playoffs. That's There's going to be this losing thing, and then all of a sudden they're still in the playoff hunt in, you know, in, in mid-April. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, now if they get into the playoffs, they've dealt with some of the pressure. They've won. They're seven out of the last nine are on the road, which means they will have won a couple, a few of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that would be a good thing going to the playoffs. If they get smashed in the playoffs, and it is I'm what not it worried is, about them getting smashed in the playoffs. But yeah. but that, that's fine. It's just part of it also is is I've seen a lot of teams make the playoffs and then justify decisions to keep teams together based off of. Well, we made the playoffs, and we don't want to ruin it. So and that's what we'd have to watch. That's and a legitimate this, concern. Yeah. And that's a legitimate concern. Not only, and the big thing here, the elephant in the room, is Danilo Gallinari. But it's not just Danilo Gallinari. It's look, we just talked about how many unhappy veterans there are on the squad with their situation. Management still holds their contracts, and the reality is, is that management needs to reconfigure this roster to focus on like the entire thing needs to be maximizing Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and Gary Harris. I think that's exactly what they want to do. I, I, think, I understand I think Michael that. Malone has stated that. I understand on, uh, that. And, and so it's Tim Conley. And I want to believe that. That's why I like it when I hear Michael Malone saying, you know, I want to make the playoffs, but the bigger thing is to get better. Like that's what I want to hear. I just know that I've heard the same thing from the same front offices that made those decisions. It's just harder. When it's a you bit have, of a trust the process situation where yeah, ownership's all in until all of a sudden they're not. It's hard, and it's harder to it's harder to be like no, no, no. If, if it's the best move for us to move on, then we'll do that. When you're not really faced with the prospect of if I do not resign this guy, my odds of making the playoffs next year go down. I, and yeah, I hear what you're saying. I guess we're just crystal balling it right now, but yeah. like we have to see. We don't know how this franchise is going to react in that situation but because I, they've never been in that. Situation. But I think I think you. I think it's all. My thing is you have to. That's more important though. I think that's way more important than. Gosh, it'd be nice for Jamal Murray to, to realize how tough it is to guard Stephen Curry in a playoff series. I like, think both. I think both. See, uh, so now thinking. I think both can be true. So, right. so what you're talking about really is summer stuff. And that can be true, and Jamal Murray getting experience in playoffs can be true. At I've, both just, the same I've time. seen, a, but here's part of it: is, is you can't look, you cannot point me to a lot of examples of teams where it's just like, oh no, that early playoff experience where we did absolutely nothing was really helpful. Like I used it, earlier to you, I used this example, which is the Utah Jazz. They had a young core. With they had a bunch of young guys, and then they had like Al Jefferson, and it was when they were kind of transitioning. And Ty Corbin. Uh, got them into the playoffs, and they got smashed by the San Antonio Spurs, and we're out. And it took them years and years to get back. And it's just like, I don't look at that and say, wow, those young guys really learned a lot from that experience. You know, I look at that team and go, just exactly how many of those players are still on that on the roster right now? Maybe it's like Gordon Hayward. And like if, if it's, I mean, you know, those... You you show me teams like that, and I'll show you players that probably weren't as as good as they appeared to be in the first place. Now you had Jefferson on that team, and he was doing heavy lifting uh, for 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 the Utah Jazz. So if you have guys like that masking maybe problem, the Nuggets don't have a guy masking Nikola Jokic or masking uh, Jamal Murray. Right. Like we know those two guys. Are, well, at least we know with Nikola Jokic. Yeah. I mean, Jamal Murray's still proving it to us. Yeah. 
that he is going to be a bit, and he is the lead guy. The veteran is it like the Al Jefferson who was lead guy there, or or whoever else. That's Jokic here. So we, the Nuggets are in a little bit of different situation where they know their lead guy is young. They're already trying to figure out ways. They can't build around him now, so you might as well just make the playoffs right now. And then in the summer, you can figure out, okay, what worked, what didn't. Do we need some of these guys? Do we not? And that's that's where I think I think ultimately we're on the same page on this. It's just it's just you know what do they do in the future as opposed to well, look, what do they need to do now? It, it, you, you can't affect any of that right now. Believe, so you you, you have the belief based off of your informed discussions with with members of the staff, both coaching and front office, that they can be these independent conversations. I do not have that same confidence because I've seen too many front offices make mistakes based off of mis- – because part of it, I just – everyone in this league is so competitive. Like, they're all competitive guys. Most of them are former players like, at some level, mm-hmm. and there's a natural com- competitive level that's built into it, unless you're Sam Hinkie. And so by that – competitive in a different way. So by that <laughs> – so by that, right. it's really, I, I, it's just really difficult. So, and that's the thing is, like, if if they walk into this and they're just like, you know, what if they do? Here's the other thing: is crazy things happen in playoff series. Matchups are tough. You mentioned how well they play. What if they do take the Warriors to the stretch, and all of a sudden you're like, so, we were this close excuse, to beating the Warriors, right? And excuse the picture, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and now all of a sudden it's not. It's kind of like it's, DeVille, not, it's, it's oh. like Javale McGee playing great in the game against the. That right there. Yeah, for sure. That right there. And now all of a sudden you've got the 30th ranked defense looking at paying Gallo $100 million, looking to keep uh, whoever on this roster. It it just – there are a number of – for me, you talk about like a crystal ball and then you talk about the the worst case scenario, the glass half empty. For me, it's looking at probable outcomes and how severe they are. Like the 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 most common outcome is, oh, they make the playoffs – they get swept. They keep building. They come back next year. They're a better team. You know, maybe they're more competitive in the first round. They get like a six or a seven, right. or they make a jump and they get five and they kind of play them tough. Like that's the most logical scenario because, like, if you look at it, like Nikola Jokic is only going to improve. Jamal Murray, I think, to next year. And that's what you, hope, yeah, right. right. And everything looks and everything looks looks pretty good there. But then you look at like, all right, what are the what are, what are the bad outcomes? How likely are they? And what does that do to the franchise? And there is a real and for me, there is a real concern of them. We talked about this earlier again of them sliding into the Kings, and that's that's my worry. Yeah, I just I, I just want to wait and see. I, I I think when we when you. When you this the front office is not necessarily a known commodity in these kinds of situations, and so because we don't know that, uh, I guess I'm willing, more willing to say, all right, let's just take the component parts. The component part right now is just playing basketball games. Right. So play them out to however however well you can play them out to. Then after the season, do what you got to do to improve the basketball team. And so I guess you know you know for me I I don't. I, I feel that from 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 conversations that I've had, that that is always their goal. Like, I don't know that they would be unless they made the second round of the playoffs. Like they right. made the second round of the playoffs, 
and Gallo and Jokic are playing just so well off of each yeah. other. It's like, oh man, we found it. Yeah, we don't, I don't. Let's stop this now because now we're talking about beating the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, but I'm saying that it would have to be that drastic. That, and I think that's, what, what that's, if we come back in like two months and like they beat the Warriors? Oh, <laughs> we're getting together. Yeah, but I think that it would have to be that drastic. You got to give Gallo 120 million dollars. I don't think there's any way around it. But that's the that's the only way I would think that they would get off schedule. I think they're I think they're on a schedule, and I don't think they'll be skewed by even. Taking a team like Golden State or San Antonio to seven games in the first, I don't think they would be thrown off that path necessarily. But we'll see. Let's let's put a button on that because I actually think this is a fascinating conversation because I think you guys are both opposite but both right because there is no. I mean, it, it is again looking at the crystal ball. So I think it's as part of what's fascinating well, about the like NBA. A, there's a, there's a whole bunch of, of alternate scenarios, right? Where like they make they make the playoffs and and God forbid, knock on wood, Nikola Jokic suffers a major injury oh God, and is out not, for a year. Let's not do this. <laughs> like then 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 would you be like, oh yeah? But they got some great experience, <laughs> like you know, and that's the thing. And and I, I also I tell you what my preferred scenario is, honestly, just for the hilarity of it, as a as a removed uh, entity from the entire process. My preferred scenario is that the uh, is that Yusuf Nurkic makes a game winning basket okay. to push Portland into the playoffs, and then the Nuggets with the 14th pick or with the 14th lottery spot win the lottery. That's my preferred scenario. Is that is that Nurkic gets them into the playoffs and costs Portland the number one? The pick. only reason I don't want that is there's like two months between the last game of the regular season and the. I guess no, there's not. It's only like only like two or three yes. weeks. All right, so that's like two or three weeks of suffering I'd have to endure. Yep. Um, guys, thanks so much for ha- for coming on. Really appreciate it. Make sure uh, you can follow him both on Twitter at HP Basketball. Check out his work on CBS Sports.com. Follow him at Chris A. Dempsey. Catch him out on TV. Check him everywhere. The TV, the radio, TV. the interwebs. I mean, he's got TV it all going star on. Chris <laughs> Dempsey. So, no. Thank you guys so much for coming on. And we'll be back tomorrow. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17